You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And good morning to you, 1850-333-103. Your lines are open. Bernie takes your comments this morning. You can always text our WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And ahead on this morning's show, yesterday we were speaking with the gang from Fermoy who were in Dublin. Uh, they were picking up their award for being the cleanest town in Ireland yesterday. So well done to the gang in Fermoy. We spoke to them when they reached Dublin. But not every area of Cork is happy with the Eyeball Little League survey because, of course, the survey identifies how clean an area is. And a lot of areas have been identified as not being so clean. And uh, various people living in the areas, such as Mahan and indeed uh, the north side of the Cork City, was one of those areas who uh, came out not on top in in the Little League yesterday, they're arguing against certain sites in their areas which are known to the local authority, which are known to the EPA, and they feel nothing is being done about it. We'll discuss that shortly on the show. Uh, there's other areas of the county as well, whereby maybe not identified in the Little League yesterday, but we do know from people who were on with us on the show yesterday from various areas of the county, unhappy with how rubbish is being dumped in their area. Uh, we didn't get through all the calls that we got yesterday on rubbish dumping, uh, but I know we got a text from the NAD area uh, at one stage on the show yesterday and they had collected so many bags of rubbish in that area Uh, and that just shows in the past we have got a lot of calls from people who live near forestry in Bantir in the Nad area and they keep coming across rubbish dumped within the forestry and also rubbish dumped on their roadsides up there and a lot of the reason that is is because and they would say it themselves that particular area where the forestry is can be a very isolated area and because it's an isolated area people then realise late at night they can go up they feel they can dump their rubbish and then drive off now luckily a few people from uh, that area that have been uh, working to make sure uh, that people are prosecuted have been successful in the past whereby they may have found receipts or something from those black plastic rubbish bags dumped in those areas but not all have been and it's frustrating for locals then who are driving in the particular roadways and they see this rubbish dumped in their locality so people like those are angry even though they are cleaning it up themselves they are angry that others can do this and get away with it and why are the organisations who are responsible for dealing with rubbish dumping in this country and making sure it doesn't happen again are not tackling these areas as they have been proven to be an area for example I've mentioned forest areas they are proven over the years to be black spots sometimes not all forest areas but some can be and then we have areas of the city as well uh, that are becoming black spots so the question is why aren't the authorities looking after these particular black spots and making sure that dumpers are prevented from entering there or indeed have you seen, can you get CCTV can something like that work people want answers at this stage now rather than having their names up there or indeed when we discuss the issue of rubbish uh, knowing that their area has again been targeted by that unfair for those in local areas anyhow we'll hear from those who uh, maybe weren't mentioned yesterday in the Little League and those who weren't lucky enough to be living in a clean area and quite a worry this is the number of lung cancer cases among women is on the rise and it's a worry to the Irish Cancer Society one of the reasons 
that lung cancer is increasing despite all the campaigns out there is because more people are taking up smoking. Now it's not a huge amount of people but still smoking is remaining one of the causes for lung cancer and it can be in on the increase among certain age groups. So discussing that this morning with the Irish Cancer Society a worry uh, that it seems now lung cancer cases among women will be on the rise and it seems there'll be a higher rate it could be a higher rate anyhow of lung cancer among women over men in the few in the coming years uh, simply because of changing attitudes and also a lot to do with smoking unfortunately that is one of the big things that came out uh, when we looked into this particular report yesterday also, today is the 40th anniversary since the Betelgeuse disaster on Whitty Island in Bantry Bay. And we remembered what happened on that day uh, over the years. Today is the 40th anniversary of what happened on Whitty. We'll be speaking with those who were there on the day. We'll hear from those, unfortunately, who lost loved ones and who were still angry over what happened on Whitty Island that particular day 40 years ago. And also we'll hear from those who were working in the area uh, one person working in a hotel that particular evening there was a dance on in the local hotel at the West Lodge and they recall how the building shook and everybody at the dance was asking what was going on everybody went outside to see what's happening outside and slowly the West Lodge became an information centre people were ringing wondering what was going on and getting information and they had media from all over the world ringing them as well I suppose at that time there was no social media and you had to wait for news reports on television or maybe on national radio to get your information then uh, whereas a different story now with social media it's kind of instant and you have local radio as well and that type of thing whereas in 40 years ago that wasn't there so people were relying on those in the area to tell them what happened and indeed relying on those uh, like hotels and community centres to get information from them and also a lot of people on to us over the course of the last few days when we mentioned that today would be the 40th anniversary of this particular disaster in Whitty uh, where they were on that particular day so many people heard a loud explosion doesn't matter really where you are in Cork a lot of people even as far as Cork City uh, which is a journey from Bantry but as far as Cork City people did hear a loud bang and then realised after what that loud bang was a lot of people then in the area would have been working in what was the regional hospital at the time in the late 70s now CUH uh, but at the time that hospital just had opened I would imagine the year before uh, because CUH was 40 years old last year so I would presume it was the regional hospital's first big emergency uh, that they dealt with with all all what was happening uh, coming into them from Bantry Bay. The sad thing here was that 51 people lost their lives, uh, locals and indeed people from France and other countries uh, but the French, a big contingent of French people coming to Bantry today and have arrived in, in Cork Airport last night and there was a function I know in the West Lodge last night for them and again uh, the ceremony is taking place in about 45 minutes in Bantry. So I, I know a lot of French people in the town of Bantry today. Uh, a lot of those, uh, their loved ones died in that particular disaster. And out of that 51, 23 bodies never recovered uh, from Bantry Bay. So a sad time uh, for the people in that area. And indeed, we'll remember uh, those today on the programme. And also, gratitude is the New Year's resolution. That's according to our resident councillor, Joe Heffernan. He'll join us after midday today. So that's 
that and more to come between now and one. Our lines are open. Your comments are welcome. 1850-333-103. Or indeed, you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Yeah, and I mentioned uh, Whitty Island there and the disaster 40 years ago. Thanks to Michael O'Sullivan in Casa Tamber, who has sent in a picture on WhatsApp of Bantry Church this morning, St. Finbar's in Bantry. And the reeds preparing for the anniversary mass they're placed on the steps up to the church in Bantry. And that all, of course, for remembering at that particular disaster 40 years on this particular day taking place in 1979. Michael, thank you for that particular picture from Bantry this morning. Your memories are welcome uh, where you were. Do you remember that particular disaster? A lot of people this morning remembering the big loud explosion. Uh, Ita in Inna Shannon says, I can remember that evening being at my parents' house and hearing that particular loud bang. None of us were aware what it was. Some presumed something was gone wrong somewhere, but we didn't know where. It was the next day that we realised what had actually happened and the scale of the disaster that happened in Bantry Bay. Uh, thank you for your text. Your memories of that are welcome on text to 86 you can WhatsApp on the same number or call Bernie 1850 Now, I'm not too sure what people will make of this particular story. It's coming from Sligo this morning and it's how a farmer has claimed that he is patrolling roads close to his home with a double barrel shotgun and he's threatening to shoot dogs which are accompanied by hillwalkers. Now, this is a farmer in North Sligo. His name is Andy the Bull McSharry and he has said that he will shoot any dead dogs found with or without a lead on his land. He was speaking uh, to his local radio station in Sligo yesterday and he said that he will continue to patrol roads around his area as a warning to dog owners where he would harm them if their animals were found on his particular land. Uh, People, he says, are now bringing their dogs to the hills. Those same people fought the issue of the right to roam but now they want to fight the right to roam for their dogs, uh, said Mr McSharry. He's on about the Glynif Horseshoe which is popular for walkers and features the Dermot and Gronius Cave and is located just above the cliffs of Anacora. And he is, he already was convicted a number of years ago for threats to hill walkers on his land. And he's now saying that I presume he's getting annoyed by the amount of people walking on his land with dogs. And initially I thought it was because the dogs were not on leads, but these are dogs even if they are on leads. He doesn't want dogs or indeed I would take it hillwalkers on his land uh, but he is uh, issued a warning uh, that he is around his home with a double barrel shotgun and he's warning dog owners what he will do if their animals are found on his land would you agree with him maybe you are a farmer maybe you have this particular situation yourself and where you live or do you disagree with him that he shouldn't be carrying out this and there's better ways to deal with situations like that let us know 1850 333 103 mentioning cycling earlier on this week on the show and indeed last week as well a lot of people had mixed views on cyclists and indeed how they interact with motorists on the road well uh, cyclists are out today and unhappy and this is something we discussed last Friday on the show it seems that parked cars are again just leaving themselves and the owners of the cars leaving their cars parked illegally on cycle lanes it's happening on bus lanes I know here in Cork but now on cycle lanes you have people parking their cars walking off doing their business and leaving their cars parked on cycle lanes cyclists not happy with that and it seems we could be plunging our hospitals into a further 
overcrowding crisis. A lot of the news this morning, of course, is how nurses have announced strike dates amid a row over pay and conditions. Members of the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation have voted overwhelmingly in favour of strike action last month. And the dates now for the 24-hour stoppages have been announced and they will be announced later today uh, to certain make those dates particular that they're on about certain. Uh, They've chosen a number of dates and they'll confirm the dates today but the strike, the INMO members uh, will see them withdrawing labour and providing only emergency and life-saving care. Now, this will be the second time and that IMO members have taken uh, to a national strike action. Nurses and midwives last engaged, it seems, in strikes in 1999. Uh, but when we get confirmation of those days later today, we'll let you know. There's been rumours of the days in question, but we'll get confirmation later and we'll let you know those days. But obviously, if they are going to go on strike, it is going to cause further chaos in our hospitals and they are striking because of pay and conditions that they are facing there. Uh, also, a lot of people won't be happy with this story. And then we had a discussion on this earlier on this week when we spoke about carbon tax and people questioning, well, they're on about carbon tax and maybe giving money back to the householder. That was a new story we dealt with earlier on this week and indeed, uh, well, yesterday, in fact, and indeed last week as well, Thursday and Friday, a lot of commentary on that to the show. But when it comes to paying any type of tax, no one really wants to pay it. We have to pay our taxes. But homeowners who have not yet paid their property tax have been warned that time is running out. And it seems now that debt collectors are going to chase those that are refusing to pay the property tax as the deadline looms. Now, you would have to question this. I mean, we had a situation last week. Was it the first day back on the Wednesday that we had the Cancer Society unhappy with the HSC sending debt collectors to chase people who are in hospital receiving cancer treatments and because they may be released from hospital at home, still in another hospital for checks and still receiving treatment, you had the HSC sending debt collectors after them to chase for bills they owe the hospital. Now we have similar here by revenue chasing debt collectors to pay the, or to chase those who haven't paid their property tax. We heard uh, from the Cancer Society, I think the HSC paid to one debt collecting company €52,000. You'd wonder how much revenue are paying those debt collectors. And also, is there a need for this? Can they sort this out another way when they uh, seemingly go to any lengths to get this particular tax, even out of pensions and wages? For what we get back, the big thing is, what exactly are we getting back from this property tax? This goes on and this debate goes on and on every year. We've already touched on it last week on the show when we mentioned the carbon tax and people saying that will turn out uh, like the property tax because we've seen no value to money. And we got examples from a lot of towns across Cork, people paying the property tax and what are we getting for it? I'd love to know if you have noticed an enhancement in your area and you won't know if it's from the property tax or not, but if your footpaths have improved, not because they're doing works in the area, but you feel that maybe an investment has been put into your area and that investment might have come from the money collected for the property tax. Uh, we heard from people last week in the news who said that uh, a lot of people within the council will benefit from this because they look after admin staff first before they actually deal uh, with the outdoor work. So I'm not too sure where the money is going, but from looking around, I don't see any investment to be 
quite honest about it in the Cork area anyhow from the property tax our roads disgraced potholes everywhere and especially rural roads because everybody's paying it It doesn't matter if you're in a town or a city or a a rural area we're all paying the property tax Uh, and if you go to a rural area with no public lighting and you can barely drive on your road then what value for money are you getting you're paying this property tax and you're seeing nothing back for return you don't you have your own water supply Uh, you don't have public lighting and your road's falling apart but yet now we have debt collectors uh, who will be working on behalf of revenue to chase those who haven't paid their property tax and people are under enough pressure as it is with all this happening and the majority of people are compliant and people do uh, pay their property tax and we all realise we have to pay our taxes it's just with this particular tax now I think people are looking around getting me sick uh, of not seeing anything in return for this and even in urban areas we've heard from people in other areas who have said to us uh, in towns and cities they've noticed that only for volunteers in their particular town the, the, nothing will be done. The volunteers are doing the work that should be carried out from the money invested from this property taxes. The volunteers who were out there cleaning up and making things okay. And other areas then who have no lights, uh, who are living, they say, in darkness, no public lighting, uh, footpaths not great, and they don't see a return for the property tax. So you'd have to question, first of all, even though people are compliant with this, if there are people out there who aren't paying their tax is there a reason for this? Maybe more on the line of our politicians to look into what has been spent and the investment from the property tax rather than chasing people down who are struggling to pay their tax at the moment. A lot of people struggling to pay mortgages and indeed rents, uh, I think, lay off for a while because I, I don't see myself driving around the county what investment, what return we're getting for this particular tax and staying with the property tax. Interesting that more than 80% of Irish homes are valued under two. 250,000 euros for the local uh, property tax assessments. This is despite, of course, DAF.ie, which shows that uh, most properties nationwide, on average, are for the third quarter of 2018, anyhow, are being valued at 257,000 euros. But uh, most of those entering their figures for the property tax, because uh, you were, whatever value of the house you have, you are paying your property tax on the house value at the majority of people. Uh, say the value of their house is under 250k anyhow just some of the headlines this morning uh, and a good positive headline and uh, not too far away the McGilly Collie Reeks they have been uh, famed of course over the last while because in the recent years they've been picked up on destinations to travel to because of that and because they were getting popular they renamed the area to the Reeks district and you'd wonder if you rename like the Wild Atlantic Way in Ireland's ancient east that does seem to have some impact by the level of tourists that do visit the area then so they changed the name to the Reek district in Kerry and now it's been listed as one of the world's best places to visit for 2019 so well done to all there uh, one of the best places to visit in the world for 2019 1850 lines open text or whatsapp 86 a lot of calls came in to us yesterday on the issue of rubbish dumping and areas which uh, did, didn't come out too well in the eyeball literal league survey and people feel that something needs to be done we'll discuss that next you're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. 
a lot of people remembering what happened this day 40 years ago at Whitty Island. Stephen, uh, who's listening in County Kerry, said, I remember that particular night. I went to a dance in Sneem with friends and afterwards I was waiting in the car while they went for burgers and I noticed this orange glow in the sky to the south uh, but thought nothing of it. When I got home and went to bed, I switched on my radio as I often did and the news of the disaster was coming through. That's my memory of it, says Stephen in County Kerry. Thank you uh, for your text, Stephen, to 0862103103. And a lot of people also reacting to uh, lack of value for the property tax and rubbish being dumped in areas. We'll get to that in a while also. Uh, and can I say hello to a person on text who wants to know, we were speaking yesterday with Annalisa and I was mentioning about the fact that I was actually in with her and we got uh, Annalisa as our regular nutritionist on the show and uh, I had a chest infection and she gave me items for the chest infection and the cough and it cleared up somewhat. It's still kind of there but it's still clearing up better than what it was. And somebody has texted in to say, what's the name of the cough bottle you use? Well, if it's the first of all, the one that clears your chest and the mucus from from your chest area, that was Dr. Delish Clare. So you can ask for that in your local health shop. They should maybe have that in stock. And the other item then, which I'm using, and it is for clearing the throat. So when you're about to talk, every time you want to talk, you're going to cough, that type of feeling. It's a Comvita is the product name and it's Manuka Honey Syrup. And basically when you take this, you, it will soothe your throat basically and it will prevent you from a coughing fit so it's winter wellness is on the particular packet kind of an orange packet so hopefully that helps you I know a lot of those coughs and colds are going around at the moment and people are trying to battle them the best they can but hopefully anyhow if you have just the cough side of things I'd recommend that uh, Manuka Honey Syrup a winter wellness cough bottle and with that bear in mind if you have any allergies toward bees obviously be careful because there is honey in it so hopefully that helps you uh, thank you for your text and just some sad news uh, reaching us uh, this morning here at the radio station and this is one of our colleagues and you would have heard uh, this particular person a lot on uh, rugby with rugby reports on the radio station our own Jim Horgan who was a rugby reporter here at C103 and Jim also attended the Cork County Council meetings at County Hall whereby at various um, reports you would have got from County Hall Jim would have compiled those and would have met the councillors uh, in County Hall that's what he would have over the years and would have filed back the news stories and uh, the news from the meetings in County Hall to us here uh, on the Mondays when they were held uh, Jim unfortunately was ill for the last few weeks he was in hospital in the Mercy for the last three weeks he was in over Christmas and he lost his battle uh, yesterday evening so our thoughts are with Mary and his family at this time uh, Jim Horgan was a, a great man for the, the bit of crack and the banter loved the banter uh, a big a sportsman as well uh, covered in various sports not only rugby but also basketball uh, but he'll be remembered for his rugby reports here on C103 over the last number of years so uh, RIP uh, Jim Horgan may he rest in peace Our lines are open 1850 Now I did mention the uh, EPA are coming into question a lot over the course of yesterday afternoon and indeed this morning following the Eyeball Little League report that was issued yesterday Great news for Fermoy we spoke 
both of them in Dublin, uh, the cleanest town in Ireland, but not good news for other areas of Cork when it comes to this particular Litter League. Uh, some areas of Cork came out as black spots, uh, Mahan, one of them also areas of the north side, including the North Ring Road. It's a concern though that keeps coming up and some of these areas uh, keep coming up. It's a concern that has been raised before uh, by Councillor Ken O'Flynn who joins me. Good morning to you, Ken. Good morning, Peter. How are you? I'm Grant. Thanks. Thanks for joining us this morning. And now this area near Blackpool has come up a number of times between Blackpool and Ballyvalan. And we've highlighted this area. And most recently, there's been, I think, a fire where the rubbish in the area has gone up in flames. And that has resulted in, in the, the, art, or the parts of the fire, the parts of the rubbish dump there flying onto the North Ring Road, making that area uh, look worse for wear when it comes to dumping. A lot of people this morning asking, what are the EPA doing about this? I mean, are you asking a similar question? Well, Peter, thanks for, thanks for highlighting this again. And uh, I think when I was talking to Patricia back in October, I think we were up to 80 call-outs by the uh, fire services and Gardaí onto the site on Spring Lane, Ellis's yard site. And the difficulty there was that there was... Um, that's adjacent to a traveller's halting site. There is illegal dumping going on there. Cork City Council has spent over 750000 cleaning up that site repeatedly. Um, it's now back to being bigger and uglier than it ever was before. Um, firefighters have found it extremely difficult to gain access onto that site. Uh, they've been pelted with rocks, stones. One, one uh, firefighter was physically assaulted there. Uh, we've we, in 2018. I can confirm now that on 97 occasions the fire brigade were called out uh, to that site to out fi- uh, fires. Now the big difficulty that I have with that, and since that, I just add that since New Year's Eve, there's been three additional fires on that site uh, that have been reported and have had call outs to the to the site uh, from the fire services. And there has been other smaller fires as well that has been reported to me uh, from the residents in the area. The great difficulty with all of this is that I have made contact with the EPA. I have had asked them to investigate what is actually going on. I've had I'm I'm seriously worried about carcinogenics and what firefighters are being exposed to. I don't think any firefighter or any public servant should be physically abused doing their job, especially something that's vital to save lives. Uh, And EPA have been extremely poorly, uh, have poorly uh, communicated with me since. Uh, I've highlighted these problems. They have written to Cork City Council. Cork City Council said it's a difficult position and we have to get all our stakeholders on board and uh, we're working on it. But they're working on it for the last 21 years and the dump has gotten bigger and bigger. And I would estimate at this stage, if we were to clean the dump again to a satisfactory level, um, you're probably looking at another half a million euros being wasted on that site. Uh, and, the, you know, you know, John Paul, in your house, if you were dumping in your front garden or your back garden, your neighbours would make a complaint about you and you would receive a fine. Uh, the, equally, the same thing would happen to me. And it's not acceptable in this day and age that there is one rule for one set of people and there is one rule for another set of people. I presume no fines have been issued in this particular area? No, no, no they haven't. They haven't. Not one. Not one fine. Now, if you drive down with your car, I drive down with my car, and I want to dump a bag of my household rubbish onto that site in Ellis's yard, I'll be battered with stones and, and, and sticks and twigs and the whole lot. I won't gain access onto that site. So are you saying there's one particular part of the community that are doing this? I'm telling you now that if it quacks like a duck, walks like a duck, talks like a duck, it's a duck. 
and I have enough uh, evidence gathered that I'm handing to Gardaí at the end at the end of the week, and I've handed it to the officials of Cork City Council to investigate it and confirm it. But I have a lot of evidence gathered with men with a van who have friends on this site, who have relations on this site, that are going around collecting rubbish from various households all over Cork and dumping on that site. And it's not acceptable. It's not fair that we've had a very, very lovely summer and that residents in the Balavalan area had to keep their windows shut because there was continuous fires. Like 97 fires, serious big fires, is what you're talking. Because what they're doing is they're maximising the site with dumping and then they're, then they're burning. And then there, there's copper being extracted as well on that site. And that's the reality of it. And, you know, I've seen it from people's windows. I've stood, I've stood well back from the site on, on, in Glen Heights Road and I can see down into the site and see exactly what's happening right there. And, you know, there has been times where the residents of that site have come up and threatened me and have threatened neighbours uh, and told us where to go and how to go in, in, in very elaborate language uh, and, 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 and threatened us. That's the reality of what's happening on that site. And you mentioned there a figure of a half a million if this site was to be cleared. Minimum, what can minimum be, half a million. What can be done? I mean, if you do clear this particular site, what can you put there? Because I presume if the council go in and clear it, this will just happen again. Look, I'll be honest with you, Peter. What I want to see happen there on that site, that site, by the way, was designed for 10 families. There's now 32 families living on that site. It's the, it's It goes against European law. It goes against Irish law. It goes against European and Irish regulations and also uh, also the guidelines because all halting sites are recommended that they be between 8 to 10 families, maximum, maximum. Uh, it's unsustainable. It's not right. People are living in very, very poor conditions. A lot of that has been brought upon themselves as I've highlighted here in the past. Um, but the reality is that site needs to be cleared. It needs to be. It needs to be. The needs to be removed. I'm. I, I'm. I, I believe that that site is no longer fit for purpose, and it needs to be closed down. And people either need to be rehoused, or we need to build a new halting site in a, probably a different location. And um, do you know where that location could be? Because it's a situation where you can't get rid of them if there's nowhere to put them. Well, you know, there have been, you know, we've had successful schemes down in Mahan. We've had other successful schemes in Traveller's accommodation uh, up by Apple as well, you know. Uh, so, you know, there are there are locations out there, but that's what I want to see. I want to see a proper housing being built. And, and you know, these families get on with their lives and their culture and et cetera. And, and that's fine. But I'm saying that having a, running an illegal dumping business is absolutely impossible and cannot be sustained. And those grounds are much coveted by sporting organisations that live in the, that that are, are community based in, in the Dublin Hill, Dublin Hill, Balavalan, Mayfield area. Those grounds could be put to far better use and to far better amenities for the people of the area. Yeah, it's a big space that's, that's there. It. You know, it's not rocket science. But the, what's what, what's wrong is nobody wants to grasp the nettle. Nobody wants to take on people and say this is this this is not ethnic culture. This is not acceptable. And uh, nobody wants to be the big bad wolf. But the reality is that this is happening. I see it happening. I've witnessed it happening. I've reported it to the Cork City Council officials. I've reported it on the council floor. I've given names to Gardaí. I, I've passed on all the information that has been passed on to me through 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 the locals, through the people that are living there next to it. I've passed on photographs. I've passed on photographs of, of car regs, etc. And, and Jeep regs and, 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 and Toyota van regs. And what I, have the I, City Council said to you, or even the EPA, because if it was one of us, as you mentioned earlier, we would be fine. So what are the EPA and the City Council coming back with? It's very much so seems to me that they're turning a blind eye to this and saying, you know, what can we do? And that's not acceptable. That is not acceptable.
Well, it's unacceptable when then you have areas which have been affected. When you look at the Eyeball Litter League and you have the North Ring being mentioned and areas of Blackpool and Ballyvalan, and it's not those who are cleaning the area or it's not those living there are causing this. It's it's that particular one site. And yeah. it does make, outside of the Litter League, if you're a tourist and there's been issues over the North Ring for the road it is, and you know that's another conversation for another day, getting a new road there. Uh, but if you have tourists going to Blarney, for example, if they're driving and they it's come in and, and they're driving down the North Ring and they see yeah. the state of the place they're going what am I driving through absolutely here absolutely appalling and, and then you have goats running loose on the North Ring Road on a regular basis as well coming from the halting site there you know if, if, if I wanted to buy a horse uh, tomorrow I would have to prove that I have an acre of land to, to look after that horse under European legislation under Irish law you know but there's, as, I sa- as I said there seems to be one rule for one set of, set of people and another rule for another you know and it's not acceptable anymore I'm very disappointed with the EPA very disappointed with the EPA. The EPA came in very, very heavy-handed about a a dump that had a license or a company that had a license up in the, the north side of the city in Churchfield. Uh, the EPA got very heavily involved and are still getting very heavily involved in what's happening in Little Island with with a with a regulated company, but seems to ignore completely and seems to accept that Cork City Council is coming along saying it's a very difficult issue. We're working on it, but we're trying to put a plan together. It doesn't. It doesn't take. It doesn't take rocket science. It means come in there, close down the site, relocate people, reallocate people if you have to. And by the way, I'm not talking about the the the, the site Ellis's yard where the dump is on is actually not part of the halting site. It's not belong to the to the families that live in the halting site. It's Cork City Council's ground. And it has not been allocated to being a to being either a dump or an addition to the halting place. Well, we'll see what happens across this year, 2019. Hopefully something will, will happen. I mean, the EPA surely at this stage will have to act considering what happened last year. If we get a good summer again, you don't want people living in the area with windows closed and fires okay. kicking off it's everywhere. Ridiculous. It ridiculous. is. It's just ridiculous. It is yeah. ridiculous in this day and age that it's going on. But look, we are, you know, I am working hard and behind the scenes as well. I am talking with various sports clubs that are very, very interested in the ground there. Uh, and there's actually another, uh, there's a private company that's interested in, in in that ground as well, you know. So there are options there for Cork City Council. Well, hopefully uh, something positive will come out of that anyhow this year. For the moment, uh, Ken, thanks for joining us and raising and the issue this happy, morning. A happy New Year. And many happy returns. Uh, thank you, Councillor Kenneth O'Flynn there joining us on that issue, uh, which is between Ballyvalan and Blackpool. But it just shows how something like that can then give areas nearby a bad name when it comes to Little League service like that. Audrey says, if you go to Roach's Buildings up near Pope's Hill in the city, people throw out rubbish regularly. Council comes and moves the rubbish, but then people do it straight away again. What is wrong with these people? Yet they have plenty of money for drink, drugs and cigarettes, yet they can't pay for their rubbish, says Audrey. 1850 333 103, lines open. You can text or WhatsApp 086 2103103. On the way next, we're going to hear about the number of lung cancer cases among women, which is on the rise. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. The number of lung cancer cases in women could substantially outnumber men in the coming years. Aoife McNamara is Information Development Manager with the Irish Cancer Society and joins me. Good morning to you, Aoife. Good morning. Thanks for having us. And thanks for joining us this morning. And this is research from the National Cancer Registry of Ireland, which has shown lung cancer incidents that they could be doubled by 2045. Absolutely. Um, at the moment, lung cancer affects over 2,500 people in Ireland every year. And what these reports are telling us is that we're seeing a massive rise, particularly in female lung cancer. 
Um, unfortunately, they're talking about like you know projections of 176 percent increase in the number of Irish females that are getting lung cancer and increases in men too and the reason for the big increase in women in particular is because of smoking patterns so if you think back women started smoking later than men and generally people start smoking when they're younger but you don't see lung cancer until they get to an older age maybe 50s 60s 70s and so on Uh, what we're asking people to do this month is to be lung aware know the signs and symptoms and if you're anyway concerned please go along to your gp sooner rather than later and you mentioned smoking there as being one of the main factors. Is that still a problem today? Do you feel that younger women today are still smoking despite all the various campaigns that are out there? Is there still a need for more campaigns on the danger of smoking, even though now we have the cigarette packets change and everything in the last few years or so? Yeah, I mean, there's been fantastic and hugely successful campaigns and Ireland stands out as a country across the world that has had great success in this regard. And I mean, our smoking rates currently are around 20%, which is hugely improved in what they were. But the message needs to be continuous and there needs to be new tactics every year. Smoking is the main cause of lung cancer and not smoking or giving up smoking is the number one thing that you can do to stop yourself getting lung cancer. It's important as well to remember, though, that it is possible to get lung cancer even if you've never smoked. So we are asking people that, you know, if you do have symptoms of lung cancer, you know, know what those symptoms are and go to your GP. Don't ignore them. And when we're talking about symptoms, it's all to do with your breathing. So difficulty breathing, coughs that aren't going away or changing a long-term cough, repeated chest infections, wheezing, coughing up bloodstained phlegm, pains in your chest, Anything that's telling you that your lungs aren't working properly is a sign to go to your GP. And you'd encourage people to go as early as possible because like every cancer, early detection is key. Uh, And interesting there, when you speak about the women that are coming forward now that I presume these women would be started smoking in the 60s and 70s and would have been later uh, smoking than when men took up smoking. And is this something we're going to see later on in years as well, maybe when it comes to drinks or even drugs, that that pattern will happen uh, for other areas of cancer? Yeah, very possibly. I mean, unfortunately, as we all know, when we're younger, we think we're invincible and we tend to engage in riskier lifestyle activities. And the effects of those, um, you know, choices often don't come about until we're much older and when we've become more health aware. And one of the key messages, the key questions that we often get asked is, you know, is there such a thing as, is it too late to stop? Is it too late to stop smoking? Is it too late to take on healthy activities? Absolutely not. There's always a good time to to start becoming more healthy and your body has an incredible ability to heal itself. So if there's anybody out there listening today and has queries or is thinking, look, I've been a long-term smoker and, you know, what's the point in giving up? There's lots of support. You know, there's quit.ie for anybody considering smoking cessation. And then for people who have any concerns about lung cancer, you're very welcome to ring our cancer nurse line. And that is on free phone 1800 200 700. And if people are online, I just saw something that's a good, a quick check for people as well. It's like a quiz. You can go onto your website, cancer.ie forward slash lung forward slash checker. And there's details there as well, which is good if people are worried. I'm just conscious at this time of the year, people have chest infections. So just because you haven't, doesn't mean you automatically you could have symptoms but over time if you have a continuous cough that won't go away definitely go to your doctor and check that out along with the other symptoms as well that is exactly it i mean you're absolutely right at this time of year we all have sniffles and coughs and flus and whatnot but it's the symptoms that aren't going away and the online tool that you referred to 
is our online lung health checker and it literally takes you five minutes. You go onto our website, it'll walk you through the steps, it'll ask you about symptoms. And one of the really handy things about this tool is at the end, you can download your results in the form of a letter and you can bring that letter to your GP. And it's a nice way of kind of prompting a conversation about your lung health. And because sometimes people need that encouragement, particularly if they've had repeated infections, particularly if they've been a smoker, they might feel that they'll be dismissed. But if you need that bit of extra support, bring the letter along with you and start that conversation. Okay, of course, the uh, cancer nurse line on free phone 1-800-200-700 are always there for support as well for the moment. Aoife, thank you for joining us this morning on that. Uh, Good advice there as well on people who may be worried about their lung health and also worry uh, that that is on the increased Aoife McNamara Information Development Officer uh, with the Irish Cancer Society. Tracy Chapman at C103 on the way after news at 11 we'll be remembering 40 years since the Betelgeuse disaster on Whitty Island in Bantry Bay and a lot of your calls and comments to do with rubbish and a lot of other issues as well new issues coming into the show I'd like to know what people think of the job paths tourists knew about that particular scheme that's at the moment out there a few text 103 lines open you can text or WhatsApp 86 103 just before 11 we spoke there with the Irish Cancer Society regarding lung cancer and how it's on the increase among women. And I read a model regarding that and we mentioned that a lot of the factors from lung cancer was an increase in smoking and that has been one factor even though there's been so many campaigns over the last few years 
Uh, what the stats are showing is that these are women from the, I suppose, when they were young in the 60s and 70s that started smoking and now they're feeling the effects of smoking in the 60s, 70s and 80s. And, and that's where the stats are coming from when they're looking at the increase of cancer in women and a lot of the factors coming from smoking. Uh, but here's another side of that particular a story when it comes to lung cancer. Irina Mallow says a relative of hers died of lung cancer and did not drink or smoke. She believes the toxic fumes from chimneys is causing cancer. She says since the coal ban came into Dublin, there has been less deaths from lung cancer and the coal ban is in Cork City as well and I'm sure will expand further out over Uh, The next few years, Irene Mallow, different side of the argument there, she believes in not only smoking, but chimneys also and smoke from chimneys and toxic fumes also is a big factor in lung cancer, especially when her relative died. And that was mentioned as well from the Cancer Society who said, you know, just because you don't smoke doesn't mean you won't get lung cancer. You could also get that and check yourself out and and go to your GP or or ring the cancer helpline 1-800-200-700 if you feel you might have a problem so at least you can allay your fears anyhow but thank you Irene for your call on that particular issue a lot of reaction uh, to rubbish dumping and the lack of enforcement by our local authority and indeed by the EPA John and this was in relation to our conversation with Councillor Kenneth O'Flynn and he was describing the area between Ballyvalan and Blackpool on the city north side which has come up bad in the recent Eyeball Little League survey which of course for my came out on top yesterday the cleanest town in Ireland uh, but other areas of Cork did not do so well that is one of the areas residents in that area are not happy because they are cleaning up the area it's other factors are leading to the area looking like this and seeing rubbish being flying around and thrown around that particular area not by locals but it seems by one particular camp in uh, that particular area also the North Ring Road can be at times littered with rubbish rubbish that blows onto that particular road and then the burning of that rubbish and the smoke in the area well uh, John says we all know who is dumping the rubbish people are allowing their rubbish to be taken away by people who claim they will dispose of it but they should ask to see a permit if someone calls to your door uh, with a van and wants or looks to dispose of your rubbish ask to see a permit without a permit they cannot do this says John while Mary uh, who has contacted us and this is something that happened over Christmas when she came across a farmer leaving off slurry water which ran into a local river tributary uh, she was saying if this wa- if it was raining first of all they would have not noticed this uh, there was no one though to notify as all the offices were closed so we couldn't get in contact with anybody while this was going on says Mary so that's one of the reasons maybe uh, why the EPA doesn't know about every single case in the county not only here in Cork but across the country a lot of their office times don't match when actually something is going on so if you spot something happening you go to ring a place or you ring the EPA uh, their offices are closed and then maybe a day or two later you forget uh, says Mary a good point there Mary on that 1850 you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 I said a lot of calls coming in regarding the issue of waste disposal and dumping in the Cork area and this is something that came in before 11 o'clock and I'd like to get your thoughts on this uh, it's to do with the jobs path issue 
And a texter here is saying, could you please cover this topic of Jobs Path and Tourist Nua on your show sometime? Uh, there is nobody covering this issue and a lot of job seekers are hassled and not listened to by this particular company. And there is nowhere to make a complaint about this useless scheme, says this particular texter. And this is Tourist Nua, of course, uh, from the government, uh, which is if you are on Job Seekers, they will try and find you a job or find you a course to do. And it really is trying to get people off Job Seekers and get them into employment. It could be contract employment, it could be courses or that type of thing. Um, if people are in that situation, to discuss the situation, we'll need those who have been through Taurus Nua, people who are trying to get on to Taurus Nua, maybe who are at the moment uh, are on Job Seekers and are being told to contact their local office and are being made do or go for jobs or go for courses. I'd like to know your thoughts on that. If you've been through uh, Taurus Nua, did you find them good? Maybe you have the opposite view. Maybe you thought it was a good scheme or are you not happy with that particular scheme? Let us know. Mary has been in contact since I mentioned that briefly before 11. She says she took part in that particular tourist new scheme. She had not a very good opinion of, of the whole situation there. She says they're supposed to help you find work, but she didn't find them very helpful. The courses they run aren't great and there is no getting out of it as she would lose her payments. Uh, she feels that Mary herself says, I had to apply for jobs I knew I could not get just to keep the jobs path people happy. So are people in that particular situation where they uh, are doing like Mary, like Mary said, they're going for jobs knowing they won't get them or feel that the courses they are put on aren't a benefit to them? Uh, your view on Tourist Nua, we did this a few years ago and there was mixed views on the particular scheme. I'd like to know a few years Years on, what is your view on Tourist Nua? Uh, good or bad? Let us know. 1850-333-103. Text of WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Mainly, I think it was set up uh, to get people back into employment, get them off job seekers and get them into courses, which will upskill them for jobs or to find them employment. So again, they will be off the job seekers and off the live register. Anyhow, uh, your views on that are welcome. A lot more calls coming in regarding uh, dumping and rubbish dumping and the cost of waste collection. We'll get to that uh, in a while as well on the show. And I, I got an email. And this came in to me over last week. We didn't get to it on the show, but I'd like to know your views on this. It's from Annette, uh, who is writing and making um, a point of maybe Irish people, she says, might realise uh, what a materialistic society we are becoming. And here is her email to us. Uh, she said, while she walked down the length of Clonacilty Town before Christmas, each side of the street there was only one crib in a window and that was at the charity shop on the main street. Now she did not walk down the side streets so she cannot account for them but she was horrified and she thought if she was an alien from outer space and landed in Clonacilty I would think or what would I think? What were people celebrating here? Is it a fat man with a red suit or animals with antlers? Well I have spent a lot of Christmases abroad in southern Europe says Annette and the culture there is so different. Over there it's all about the crib and isn't that the way it should be? In Ireland now we celebrate St. Patrick's Day in some towns and it's judged by the number of leprechauns we can produce, the Americanization of Ireland and now Christmas is celebrated by the amount of reindeers and Santas we can display. I would suggest that the town planners or society that represents the business people of a town have a competition for the best crib next year and for goodness sake let's put the Christ back into Christmas. I went to a Christmas evening mass for families in Cork City and I am 
ashamed to mention the town I thought I was at the X Factor. They were clapping and a complete disrespect for the occasion. Not one hymn that the congregation could join in. They were never asked to join in anyway by the priest. It was all about two little girls singing Walking in the Air. The congregation had to be asked to refrain from clapping. Uh, that amazing thing that lots of people felt like me in that particular church. But nowadays it's horrendous. Everybody's afraid to voice their opinion in case they rock the boat. Well, the boat is already sinking to its lowest depths says Annette at the moment everybody is planning on becoming a better person for 2019 to quote Louise O'Neill instead of giving up things let's take things up I would like to compliment Louise on that advice which I have taken for 2019 and instead of sitting back and whinging I am going to voice my opinion, says Annette on email to jp at c103.ie. So has Annette a point? Do you think she's correct? Has she a point that we're gone too commercial with Christmas and Andy? Not only Christmas, but any celebration. She mentions here in her email St. Patrick's Day and leprechauns being produced for St. Patrick's Day. Maybe more than what it is supposed to be about. So do you agree with her on that? She only noticed one crib in her local town over the Christmas period it was more about the red suit and more about Santa than what she feels it should be about and similar for St. Patrick's Day do you think that we maybe we are looking to other countries and what they think of us for St. Patrick's Day rather than what we should be looking at ourselves to do uh, your views are welcome on that on Annette's letter and thank you for that email Annette you can email us jp at c103.ie or indeed call Bernie 1850 333103 text or whatsap 0862 and on the way shortly, uh, today and at the moment in Bantry, commemorations are underway. It's 40 years since the Betelgeuse disaster on Whitty Island in Bantry Bay. Shortly, we're going to hear on from those who lost loved ones on that particular day and also hear from those who were going about their business and were at work and they heard this huge bang and then people realised a few hours later what had occurred at Bantry Bay. It affected people all over the Cork area some people working in the regional hospital uh, now CUH who attended to those injured and indeed unfortunately witnessed firsthand the sadness when people realised that loved ones had died in that particular disaster 51 people died 23 bodies still unaccounted for at Bantry Bay we'll discuss that next C103 Jobs and on today's job spot, we have opportunities for including country clean recycling require a person with a good knowledge of agricultural machinery to operate an indoor stationary baler. Uh, this position is full time and permanent. Contact 087 707 8711. A tractor driver is required for the North Cork area. Contact 086 0655 118. And a childminder is required for two children five days per week in the Dumanway area. Contact Onya on 086. 086- 3260209. You get these details and more job opportunities online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs. And I just want to bring a text and a few calls in here to us. Um, and thank you to a lot of people who are remembering our own rugby reporter this morning, Jim Horgan 
I mentioned just before news and I know Barry had this on news as well uh, at 11. Uh, Jim, uh, a much loved colleague here at the radio station would have uh, heard Jim's voice uh, primarily for uh, covering rugby games Munster and Irish rugby over the last 10 years. Uh, Jim also featured covering basketball reports and Jim would have attended the county hall each and every second Monday anyhow for the county council meetings. He would have reported back from us what happened at those particular county meeting, uh, county hall meetings and indeed would have met the councillors at the meetings and uh, spoke to them for our news service uh, and thanks to another Jim on text who says very sorry to hear of the passing of the late Jim Horgan shocked to hear it like you say he was some man for the banter he will be missed for his match reports especially the rugby matches and uh, Marion saying used to enjoy Jim's rugby matches uh, and indeed rugby commentaries he will be missed uh, from your radio station may he rest in peace and, and thank you as well to uh, others in the Cork area um, and thank you to Kieran uh, from the Southern Star who has been in contact so many have been in contact in, in the last while wishing their um, condolences to uh, Jim's family and indeed the staff here at C103 so thank you to Kieran Romani of the Southern Star also to own English of the Irish Examiner and uh, Pascal Sheehy of RTE who have all just been in contact with us to pass on their condolences uh, to uh, G- the late Jim Horgan uh, well known here uh, primarily for rugby but also for other sports and loved his job I see the Lord Mayor Mick Finn as well has been in contact passing condolences on to us so uh, my thanks uh, to you for that. We passed those on to the family as well. Uh, I know Mary, his wife and his family, uh, my condolences to them. Uh, we would have known the, the whole family actually over the years and I would have worked very close with Jim myself because I would have, I, I work weekends on, on our sister station on a sports programme. So obviously working and, and liaising with Jim very closely over the last uh, nine to ten years. So our condolences again and thank you for everybody who has taken time out when we announced the news publicly uh, for texting us and tweeting us and ringing us up, uh, passing up, uh, you're passing on uh, your condolences uh, to Jim. So uh, may he rest in peace. Our late colleague here at the radio station, Jim Horgan. The C103 Street Fleet. Live on location now. And the Street Fleet out and about on this Tuesday morning. Let's cross to Sadie. Our morning, Sadie. Hi JP, myself and Eva are in Recroom today handing out flyers for Cinderella at the Everyman which is this year's panto and is a panto for everyone. It runs until Sunday the 13th of January and is proudly supported by C103. I'm Sadie Madden with the Street Lead for C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. A commemoration is taking place this morning at Whitty Island to mark the 40th anniversary of the disaster where 51 people died when the oil tanker Betelgeuse exploded in the oil terminal in Bantry Bay. And joining me this morning is one of those people that is remembering what happened on this day 40 years ago. Michael Kingston, who is from Goleen and now living in London, joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. Uh, good morning, John Paul. And a very sad time for you and others today, remembering, particularly for you, though, remembering your dad who died in the disaster 40 years ago. Yeah, it's, it's a tough day, John Paul. Um, it's, uh, it's a hard um, experience to have, to have had to have dealt with in life um, for, for my family and, and the other six Irish fam- families from the locality. Um, and but also for the uh, 42 French families who lost their um, in 41 cases their uh, fathers and in uh, one case unfortunately both their parents in that the wife of one of the 
crew members was was on board at the time, and also for a surveyor who had just boarded, sadly, from England, a man called Michael Harris, and then, of course, also a Dutch diver was sadly killed in the wreck recovery operation. Such a sad time for the Bantry Bay area and for the entire Cork region. Uh, some people could never imagine that something like this could happen on Whitty Island. And this was all when a ship was coming into Whitty, carrying crude oil. Uh, they did brave bad weather conditions en route from the Gulf, but it was when they arrived towards Whitty uh, when things went wrong, unfortunately. Yes, unfortunately, um, the ship, ship wasn't in a good state. Um, she had stress problems, stress fractures in her bulkheads, and um, she didn't have um, a safety system, an inert gas system on board um, that had been recommended and indeed was in draft international regulation, um, which had been agreed by all the world's experts in 1974, but that best practice wasn't applied in 1979. It still hadn't been um, ratified, and she didn't have a loadicator to help with uh, ballasting and discharge, and um, she was in a terrible state, um, unfortunately. And in addition to that, the safety systems on the terminal, at the terminal itself and off the sh- off- at the offshore jetty were um, far below uh, best practice, and it is probably one of the uh, biggest derelictions of duty in relation to safety in not just Irish history, but, but world maritime history. Yeah, many say there was a lot of failures to implement various regulations at that time, and indeed over the years regarding the safety. Uh, was that maybe why you yourself got your interest into marine law? Well, when I started studying law, I um, it was natural for me to um, work in the marine um, sector of law, um, the marine world, and the sea runs in my blood. Um, obviously, my father was a seafarer, and I've got a fishing background over, over generations and down through the centuries in, in West Cork. Um, so marine was always going to be my area of operation in some shape, manner, or form, and I suppose the catalyst for my legal work was looking at the tribunal report um, after the Whitty Island disaster and just thinking to myself, could this seriously have been um, allowed to happen? And I wanted to try and turn a negative situation into a positive one and maybe help and do something about it to maybe try and help with regulation to protect other seafarers going forward in honour of my father and all those he died with. Yeah, and prevent something like this from happening again. Uh, many are recalling today what happened on this particular day 40 years ago. So many of our listeners are saying they were in various parts of West Cork in particular. They heard a loud bang at that time. Social media wasn't there. Uh, local radio wasn't there. So they had to wait until the following day to get the information. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. 
you really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Unless they were nearby and then people nearby were coming over to them and saying, this has happened in Whitty and word spread then across various regions. Uh, many other people were onto us who were working in what was the regional hospital then, now CUH at the time. So everybody has their own memories of that particular uh, tragedy on that night. You were quite young though, Michael, at that time. Yeah, I was only four years of age. Um, I just had my fourth birthday that, that night um, when my father left to work at eight o'clock on the eight o'clock shift. Um, and I um, obviously, you know, don't have massive remem- uh, memories of, of, of my father. If you ask anyone, they probably don't remember too much um, from four or five years back. But obviously I remember, and it's indelibly marked on my mind, uh, my fourth birthday and maybe the joyous. People think that it's just sad that it was my fourth birthday, but maybe I was lucky it was my birthday um, that I have such happy memories from that day. Obviously, the world fell apart the next day, and, and, and I have memories of that very sad um, and devastating morning for, for my family and for so many others in West Cork, and not just those of people who died, but friends of theirs and, and, and the community and the trauma that um, was um, indelibly marked on, on people's lives. I was young, but... But um, it doesn't uh, it doesn't leave you. And as you grow and learn more about um, your father and and and, and what happened, it 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 it, um, it, it multiplies um, in in your mind the the occasion and and it is not something that you will ever forget till the day you die. And so many families affected by that, uh, Irish families, French families and others that you, as you described earlier. Uh, and so many bodies were recovered and taken to hospital while others unfortunately weren't. Yeah, I mean, it's very sad um, that 23 bodies of the French um, families were never recovered. Bantry Bay is forever their resting place and that's why it's such a sacrosanct place um, for for the French families. Um we thank God that my father's body was recovered for a very tough period for uh, my mother um, and and other members of our family who knew more. My father's body was was missing for eight months and was discovered after the Fastnet storm in 1979 with um, Dennis O'Shea and 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 uh, Cornelius O'Shea and and then shortly afterwards Dennis O'Leary in the same place on the shore of Whitty Island. So mercifully. Their bodies were, 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 were returned to us. Um, for the French families, it is an enormously um, difficult um, experience. They knew little um, English. We were very foreign uh, countries in those days. And um, it's so important that we as a community and our nation 
through not real leadership but just simple humanity puts our arms around so many of these families whose loved ones died in our jurisdiction and that's what we're doing today we're making um it a day of um celebration and honor of the lives of of those um who were lost and um we are comforting our french friends yeah, and so many of them I know arrived into Cork Airport yesterday and they were at the West Lodge as well last night and today you have the ceremony taking place and then in the afternoon, uh, this afternoon, even a prayer service as well at the offshore jetty there uh, near Whitty as well in off Bantry Bay. So a lot happening to remember what did happen 40 years ago. I suppose the laws you mentioned there, we have learned hopefully from the mistakes of safety back in those days and that something like this will never happen again here in Ireland or elsewhere across the world, Michael? Well, um, yes, there was regulatory um, changes. Um, Obviously, Ireland immediately ratified the uh, Safety of Life at Sea Convention in 1974. But there are further conventions that have not yet been ratified. Um, Changes to um, SOLAS, um, uh, SOLAS, the SOLAS Convention recently, that are still sitting on government shelves in, in Dáil Éireann. So have we learned lessons of history? We did when we got that stark reminder, and, and, and um, I hope that we don't need another stark reminder. Tomorrow, um, after the celebrations today, um, I am sure the media will be reporting on the magnitude of respect of the... Um, world in in this stark reminder um, that's being celebrated today in Bantry of what happens when we don't implement um, regulation and the world is coming to Bantry today, the International Chamber of Shipping Confederation of European Shipmasters Associations, Lloyd's of London, Lloyd's Agency, Lloyd's Register, the Norwegian government are being represented uh, through Reeds, Iceland the Canadian ambassador is here, Finland are being represented, they understand the importance of the image implementation of regulation. All of Ireland's rescue services are here. The father of Captain Dara Fitzpatrick, um, the RNLI are coming, and the Navy are here in force, and many, many others, because they understand the importance of Ireland having respect and the world for our seafarers and our rescue services, and those conventions that are lying on government shelves, including in Dáil Éireann, need to be ratified and implemented in Irish law as a matter of urgent priority. Indeed, and hope those listening to you today will take that up with the various people in the various offices there in Dáil Éireann and Inster House for the moment. Michael, our thoughts are with you today on a difficult day for you and many of the families affected by what happened on Whitty 40 years ago today. Um, do take time out for yourself as well. And I'm sure, you know, this day, even though it's a sad day, will bring comfort as well to you and many of the families who were here from all various parts of Ireland, as you mentioned, but also from France. Uh, thank you very much, John Paul. I'd just like to say one very, very important thing, and that is that the community of West Cork have, have put their arms around not just the French families, but the Irish families, the help from Cork County Council when we had help from nowhere else, all their members from top to bottom, their staff, um, the county mayor, Patrick Gerard Murphy, and also um, the uh, the church and, and so many people in the local community. What they have demonstrated in helping us uh, in what we're doing today is a, an absolute testament of the decency of, 
of, of, of County Cork, and, and I would like that to be on record. And they've been absolutely wonderful, and, 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 and I'm very, very, very proud of the community for what they've done to assist. Indeed, everybody comes together, don't they? At, at times like this, uh, in any area, I'm sure, of Ireland, it will be similar. For the moment, Michael, again, uh, you look after yourself today. Our thoughts are with you and your family and those affected uh, on this day 40 years ago from Whitty. Thank you, John Paul. Take care. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 more people remember what happened on that day at Whitty 40 years ago. Eileen O'Shea is now Chairperson of Bantry Development and Tourism Association and joins me. Good morning to you, Eileen. Uh, good morning, John Paul. Now, this time 40 years ago, you were starting out in the tourism industry and you were working at the West Lodge Hotel in Bantry at the time. That's right. I was working at the time as training management at the time and I was at reception. So this was a busy night. It was a Sunday night this time 40 years ago. Sunday nights then were a big night. A lot of dances on in various areas. And one of them was at the West Lodge. That's right. Well, you know, it was actually, apart from the dances, uh, January would be an extremely quiet time. So apart from having the Sunday night dances, we would have been very, very quiet otherwise. Yeah, kind of a time, I suppose, like it is now, a lot of people reflecting after Christmas and saving money and that type of thing. And that was the same uh, in in Bantry and in the surrounds 40 years ago. So uh, there was a dance on. People were busy and coming and going. And then yeah. at one reason or another, uh, people stopped all of a sudden and realised something was wrong because I think it was you or others heard a loud explosion in the area. I think, yeah, well, everybody heard the loud expo- exp- explosion because the whole building nearly rocked, really. So you know, we knew that something desperate was after happening. And when was the news then coming to you? I presume you all ran out to see what actually did happen, did you? Uh, we all went out to see what happened, but the phone started ringing continuously. And at that stage, of course, we were on these old switchboards, which was just a nightmare. You know, with maybe just five or six lines coming into the hotel and everybody was ringing. So I suppose, I suppose really what, I, what I'm saying is I suppose the technology is so, so different today that, you know, you were dealing with a situation where there was communication was very, very poor. Yeah, because there was no mobiles, you didn't have social media, there was nothing local at that stage in the area, so you were relying really on television news or indeed on somebody to phone you in. So after you realised the phones were ringing and you went out and people were looking around to see what was wrong, when did you realise that there was a disaster just after happening uh, out on the bay in Whitty? I suppose we realised it really shortly after one o'clock. You know, one o'clock in the morning. I mean, that's about the time I think I remember clearly. Like this, the phone started hopping all over the place, really, and we were just, we were all of a sudden everybody was kind of called back on duty because it was just like it was. You can imagine, and a quiet time of the year, and a, you know, a, a, a disaster coming down on top of us here in Bantry. It was, it was just major. Really, the West Lodge at that time became the information point. It was kind of like really like the, like the headquarters at the time. I suppose you know we mean to go back to a time when there was just the one hotel in Bantry. And, uh, like, you know, with, with with that amount of rooms and everything, people were just ringing and booking a company. And um, we had, you know, press ringing us from, really from all over the world. Because, like I say, it was, communication was so, so different then. Must have been a worry then who, for the locals who were there on the night, they were concerned, I'm sure, about the residents of Woody. Oh, it was devastating. I mean, it was a devastating news for the town. And I suppose, like, the big concern immediately was obviously when we knew what was happening outside of Woody. I suppose the person, what was happening... You know, with the with the tanker itself. I mean, the residents of Whitty, that was a big concern at the time as well. 
and so many from the local area were working on Whitty and indeed from various parts and various countries as well in the world for those ships coming in and from that night in question others and families and media all descended on Bantry and indeed stayed in the West Lodge as they came to visit those injured and indeed unfortunately uh, those that were killed in the disaster. Oh yeah, well we have memories really of, you know, the, you know, the Irish families of course and then the French families as well as, you know, coming to visit, you know, which is devastating news really because just, it was horrible for everybody really, let alone for the for the families but really for the people of Bantry as well. I mean, it put such a dark shadow over the town for many, many years. Yeah, and just talk about that. I know it's 40 years on today, but the aftermath for Bantry at that particular time, for a number of years on, it did leave a dark cloud over Bantry because it's something that no one thought would actually happen, especially because of all the safety concerns that is surrounding incidents like this and indeed places like Woody Island at the time, that this actually did happen and it happened in Bantry Bay. Yes, yeah, so that's just locally people wouldn't even have thought about safety, I suppose. I think all these things are always in place. So, you know, locally people are, are, you know, going around doing their daily works and people never thought about that there'd be any any threat of, a, of something major, um, horrible disaster like this mm. ever happening in the town. I mean, it was, it was never even thought of. And to this day, I mean, you're involved with your work in the Tourism Association there in Bantry. Bantry now really booming when it comes to tourism. You saw that this year with the amount of visitors you've had. But a lot of people do come to Bantry still, especially from France, to visit the monument there. Quite a lot, and not alone relatives from the people that were tragically lost, but also a lot of French people themselves, you know, like to visit the memorial. And I suppose in, in, you know, some of the information we actually give out at the tourist office as well is that, you know, if people come, that if they would like, French people particularly, if they would like to visit the memorial, we, you know, we always uh, direct them out to, to the Abbey to see that. And quite a lot of them do that as well. Yeah, and a lot of people here on text this this morning to us who were remembering what happened that particular day. Everybody remembers where they were and the loud explosion you mentioned there was kind of felt not only in Bantry but in, in a wider part of the Cork area and that's something that yourself and others who were there in Bantry in the night will always remember. It's it's like oh, other uh, tragedies that have happened in the past where we, were you on that particular day. Yeah, and I think, I suppose, what, as well as that as well, all of us that were around this time as well, we, we still always remember it every January. Like, it, it, no year goes by when we don't think think of it, really. So it's, it's never far from our minds. You know, it isn't that we forget it ever, but, but like when it comes to January, I think there's something about it. So there's always a sadness there. Well, it's 40 years on today. I know uh, right at the moment now there is a lot of ceremonies taking place in Bantry uh, to commemorate this particular day. So, Alina, I know you're attending those, so we'll leave you at that. And thank you again for joining us and sharing your story of where you were and you were doing 40 years ago today. Thank you. Thank you very much, John Paul. 1850-333-103 lines open Bernie takes your calls a lot of people remembering uh, that disaster 40 years ago today on Woody Island Tony is in Middleton and he says the Belgians came up from the Persian Gulf uh, says Tony she was supposed to go to a port in France but because she was in a bad condition she was not allowed to go into French waters she was diverted to Bantry and that is the problem why we had or that is probably why we had that particular disaster at Woody while Anne says, I remember being at my parents' house in Clonakilty and we were hearing and heard that loud bang that other callers mentioned earlier on. We didn't know what it was and not knowing what it was, we were just getting ready for bed when our neighbour called over uh, saying, did we hear what had happened on Whitty Island? And then we were all shocked, as was at the time the entire region. Jury 
was in CUH within the regional hospital Uh, His uncle was in hospital at the time and he remembers the busy scenes at CUH and the disbelief at what happened uh, when they saw the emergency services coming in uh, and dealing with the aftermath of that disaster in CUH. And Geraldine also uh, was at CUH and she remembers the helicopters landing nearby. Uh, That was so unusual, she said then, to see that actually happening and a real sense of emergency underway. We did not realise how bad it was until we saw the TV news later that evening while Tim says I became aware of the disaster first when I was waiting for a bus in Carrick Tool and I saw the front page of the examiner a little before 8am I think Peter Tynan O'Mahony a brother of the comedian Dave Allen was down on a break and was with the Irish Times he may have been the first to report on the tragedy I think the Irish did well in the wave of damage limitation by legal experts from the US West in particular, says Tim on text to 0862103103. So your view and your memories from uh, that particular disaster 40 years ago today, we remember that disaster on Whitty Island. And um, if you remember or have, uh, maybe you're working like Eileen there, telling her story, working in the West Lodge. A dance underway and all of a sudden when the building shook, everybody looking around and wondering what actually has happened. People going outside the hotel, uh, their switchboard getting very busy. People using the West Lodge for an information centre to find out what actually is going on. And then people realising what has happened and the worry there was then for residents on Whitty and those working at Whitty Island and everything unfolding the newswise over the course of 24 hours. And the sadness then and the families and the French families coming there and staying in the hotel Uh, Such a sad time and we remember all those families affected this day 40 years ago. Uh, Our lines are open 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And earlier Mary was on to us and she was uh, uh, basically informing us of what she saw over Christmas when we were discussing the issue of rubbish. Uh, She was telling us about the fact that she noticed a farmer in her area uh, basically with slurry going into a nearby stream and the EPA offices were all closed over Christmas. So while people are giving, about the, giving out about the EPA and saying this and that and people should report their rubbish dumping if they see people dumping rubbish to the likes of the local authority or the EPA. Mary tried to do this but the EPA offices were closed. So kind of asking the question do they know of what is going on everywhere if people ring the office it's closed maybe then a day later you'll forget to, to ring and you won't be as angry maybe as you were when you see somebody dumping rubbish or you'll see what went on there uh, regarding a slurry being washed into a stream while Threes has been on and she said the lady who observed the farmer discharging slurry or dairy wash into a stream during Christmas should notify Inland Fisheries Ireland at their McCroom office. This person who treats our streams like this should have their government payments removed and jailed. I find the EPA are useless in pursuing complaints, says Thrays on text to 0862103103. Her view on dealing with that particular situation, a lot more calls and comments coming in to do with rubbish. Also reacting to our email earlier from Annette, 
who feels that we're gone into a very materialistic society with the lack of cribs that she noticed over the Christmas period and also the way that us Irish now celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Uh, a lot more comments into on various issues. We'll get to those after C103 News at midday. Plus, this year, a lot of people making new changes to their lives as they do each and every new year. And let's, be, let's have gratitude. Let's have more gratitude this year for our New Year's resolutions. That's our uh, councillor, Joe Heffernan, is going to discuss us today. He feels let's have more kindness and gratitude as our drivers for 2019 uh, rather than people making other resolutions and I think many would agree with him on that. That's what we'll be discussing today with Joe. Uh, he'll join us after 12.30 uh, on the issue of kindness and gratitude and your views are welcome on that as well. Or what indeed are you doing for uh, 2019? Uh, earlier we had, it was the Anesh who wrote in on the email about the uh, crib situation. She said said she's not going to be whinging anymore uh, to her friends or to herself. She's going to express her opinion like she has by emailing us. Uh, that's her drive for 2019. What's yours? Maybe gratitude should be our drives for 2019. Anyhow, Joe is along after 12.30. Our lines are open on this Tuesday afternoon, 1850-333-103. And you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You can tweet this afternoon, JP, or you can tweet at C103Cork or you can email JP at c103.ie We spoke regarding uh, rubbish earlier on and people dumping rubbish and how some areas are getting a bad name because of a certain few dumping rubbish. Well, that led to people then saying they feel the refuse collections are too expensive from what will happen now with the pay-by-weight and all of that. Well, Danny and White's Cross has been in touch with us and Bernie is looking into this at the moment for him. Uh, but his waste collection bill went from €160 to €240 in one jump he says and it's because it's weighed now it's mostly because of his compost bin he's asked when when he did ask what they were doing with the compost uh, he was could not get a straight answer basically from the company he asked them what are you doing with the particular compost but he wasn't given a straight answer so then when it was brought in he says first of all when this was brought into the UK Uh, people were told it would reduce the waste bills as the compost would be sold to composting companies. But then why is it not reducing the bills here, is Danny is asking. So he gets his bill, it's gone up from 160 to 240 in just one jump and it's mainly, he feels, because of the compost bin. But again, if in the UK... When they brought in something similar and the compost was sold to composting companies, they said it would reduce the bills, but it's having the opposite effect here. And obviously compost is heavy when it's in a bin, but still uh, we would, and a lot of people presume that what happened in the the UK would indeed happen here as well. Danny and White's Cross, I know Bernie has been on to that particular company who does look after Danny's waste collection and we are waiting for an answer back on them on why indeed he saw one massive jump uh, in his bill and and is it mostly because of his compost bin? I will wait to hear back from the company on that. Danny and White's Cross, thank you for your call. Eddie on rubbish says on Christmas Day, of all days to do this, a neighbour threw all their rubbish on the road in front of their house. The corporation, as Eddie says, the Cork City Council, had to come and clear up all this particular rubbish. But on Christmas Day, of all days to do this, uh, they came along and dumped the rubbish in front of their house and then went off and it was up to the City Council to come out and clear up the mess that was left there uh, by a neighbour of Eddie in his area of the city. 
We got an email earlier from Annette and this one's to do with cribs and she didn't see enough cribs over the Christmas period. She walked up and down the main street of her local town and she saw one crib in a shop window and she feels that us Irish are getting very materialistic and she would like to see the, the, the Christ being put back into Christmas but also she's looking ahead to St. Patrick's Day and last year it was all about leprechauns and that type of thing and she felt it was an Americanization of St. Patrick's Day in Ireland and is that what is going to happen now going into the future and she was hoping that would not happen and she was wondering was she alone on that so well uh, some people agree with you Annette um, have to agree with Annette she is so right concerning cribs and Julie saying I totally agree with Annette I think she is right we are losing Using the run of ourselves in this country, we seem to be copying everything that happens in America, especially when it comes to retail matters. Why or oh why did we have to go along and dress everything up this year? Or my neighbours especially did this as well with Santa and reindeers. But as Annette said, very little cribs around the place. Why are we gone like this? We are a changing society, which is fine and we are right to do so. But I do not like the way we are changing away from our traditions here in this particular country such as the crib the crib is part of Christmas so why are people getting rid of it awful to think in one town she could only find one crib up says Julie on text while not everybody agrees with Annette a person here saying not everybody believes in the supernatural are you suggesting it would make us better people to have cribs while Don says there's been a lot of talk and a lot of anger towards religion in the last few years. Maybe there is a reason why people are not erecting cribs anymore. And John says, I agree in somewhat with what Annette is saying. I do think as a country we're moving away from what indeed Ireland is about. Uh, regarding St. Patrick's Day, leprechauns, we all know that it's a pishog, but why indeed are more and more people having so many competitions to do with leprechauns? Leprechauns are always associated with America unless it's attracting tourism I don't see why local towns should have these type of competitions or indeed why local areas should be promoting leprechauns uh, says John for St. Patrick's Day it's making a mockery of us Irish uh, feels John and Kevin says I agree with Annette in one sense but in another sense she's wrong it's up to each individual shop owner or homeowner what they wish to put up if there is a lack of cribs in society and a lack of cribs in shops then there is a reason for that and I think we need to tackle that reason on why people are turning away from that side of Christmas over the commercial side uh, says Kevin on text 0862103103 reaction to Annette there and her email on not noticing enough cribs uh, over the Christmas period in where she was living in Clonakilty and mixed views on that coming in across the course of the morning and also maybe we can help this person here with this and I'm sure there's other people out there who were in a similar situation uh, no name on this text but this texter is asking is there any dining area a restaurant in North Cork that I can enjoy my meal without salt. This person went to a few places yesterday. In one particular place uh, they went to, they had soup and then they had shepherd's pie and then gravy with the shepherd's pie. But each of them, the soup, 
the pie and the gravy were all poisoned with salt. Now the same thing is when I go to the chipper they sprinkle salt to soak the fat I am being told. Uh, so I've been to so many different areas and so many different restaurants and takeaways and still the same thing is happening. Salt is being sprinkled on all the food. So with my high blood pressure it's just not on. Why don't they let us add our own salt if needed? Why do restaurants feel they have to put salt into every bit of food they serve? And also, what is the situation with chippers doing the same, uh, says that particular texter in the North Cork area? So is there a restaurant or chipper in the North Cork area that doesn't automatically put salt on the food or is it a problem you have? Do you hate when you get food and there's salt? For example, you get a portion of chips in a restaurant and you realise there's salt all over the chips or indeed just in general like that person, salt all over the food. Are you against that? And maybe you have, uh, like that person, high blood pressure. And is that something that you disagree that restaurants should not automatically be putting salt on our foods when they serve it to us in chippers? I always thought on chippers when you go to a chipper that they'd give you the option and they usually would shout across the counter salt or vinegar uh, but maybe already there's salt in the chips I'm not too sure and are we adding extra salt on top of the salt they've already put on the chips uh, your views on that do you have a similar issue or do you feel what's the difference there's, you know, whatever the food you're eating there's going to be salt maybe in the food anyhow without us adding to it uh, and does, it, does an extra bit of salt make any difference your views are welcome on that uh, with regards to that particular texture having a problem where they would like to go to a restaurant or a dining area in North Cork that according to this texture don't poison all their food with salt if you can offer any advice for that particular texture let us know any restaurant in North Cork that doesn't automatically add salt to their servings 1850 333103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103 earlier on I spoke about cyclists we had a, a conversation last week as well on the show regarding cyclists and their relationship with the motorists on the road a lot of people had mixed views on this earlier on today in the headlines in the Times Ireland edition I was reading that the uh, cycle lanes in cities across Ireland are still being abused with people parking their cars on cycle lanes so when somebody is cycling along a cycle lane or cycle path uh, they come across a car just stopped and parked in the cycle lane so they have to move around that car which means forcing them either onto the footpath or indeed forcing them onto the roadway uh, with the moving vehicles. So we were discussing that last week at length and again that made headlines this morning in the papers. Well Heidi on WhatsApp has sent me in a picture not sure where this is uh, but she said you were talking about cyclists this is what some motorists have to put up with on rural roads from cyclists and the picture is and uh, Heidi by the way is in the passenger seat of this car I can clearly identify that but it's of uh, whoever is driving on uh, a rural road and there is four cyclists as far as what I can see anyhow four cyclists in front of them and they're all in the middle of the road they're not single file uh, they're all abreast right in front of her car and it's at a corner so there's not a hope anyhow even if they were on single file that you could pass out Heidi uh, but the way they're cycling uh, you'll have, just have to stay behind them there's no room especially with that corner coming up around where you were there so thank you Heidi for that particular picture on WhatsApp giving an indication uh, to when I mentioned about cycle lanes and cycle paths on rural roads what actually it looked like uh, when you're actually in a car and you have four cyclists in front of you and these four cyclists haven't pulled in as yet maybe they did later on 
in the journey I'm not too sure uh, but at this point and going around a ba- uh, bad corner and a bad bend uh, they still remain in front of Heidi four abreasts and uh, Heidi just mentioning that while we have cycle lanes in certain areas of Cork and in certain towns as well uh, rural roads as I'm well aware Heidi don't have that and you're making that point there on WhatsApp with that particular picture thank you for that Heidi on WhatsApp to 0862103103 you can text as well on the same number or indeed call Bernie on 1850 or you can email across the afternoon jp at c103.ie and more issues coming in to us this is from Mike who contacted the show on phone earlier on this morning and I've heard of this happening over Christmas but not regarding a funeral anyhow Mike says he was at a funeral in Dunmanway and there was a guard at checkpoint just outside the bridge in Dunmanway and they stopped and breathalyzed all the funeral goers Mike thinks it's disgraceful apart from that he also feels it's disrespectful they are ruining rural Ireland by this carry on says Mike haven't heard of that when there's a funeral going on in a locality that people actually are uh, being stopped and being breathalyzed by Gardaí. I did hear in certain parts again of the uh, Duhallow area and in the Rathmore area over the Christmas period on Christmas Day morning people going to Mass that there was Gardaí out and Gardaí were breathalyzing people going to Christmas Mass on Christmas morning in particular uh, that the Gardaí were out in force in those areas of the Cork Kerry border uh, at funerals I haven't come across it or heard of that yet but I have now uh, Mike uh, regarding a funeral in Dumanway and just felt Gardaí breathalyzing a short distance outside Dumanway uh, that it was disrespectful to those going to the funeral no I don't know they presume people going to the funeral had had a few drinks or not um, but at the same time they were out breathalyzing and they have every right to do so that's the other thing they have a right to breathalyze wherever they are whatever is on the Gardaí have every right to do that uh, but thank you Mike for your call on that and people's views are welcome Jerry in Mallow then has a totally different problem a jury has contacted us because he has health problems and on uh, Monday last he needed to attend at his doctor at the Mallow Primary Healthcare Centre so he had five euros in his pocket and he asked the taxi driver to take him to the Primary Healthcare Centre in Mallow from Mallow Town and the driver refused saying the cost is six euro from the town centre to the medical centre so Jerry is making the point that this taxi man refused a sick man a journey to the, to the actual doctor, to his own doctor, for the sake of losing one euro. So Jerry wasn't very happy with that. He then went along to another taxi driver who took Jerry for five euros. So do you think maybe as sometimes taxis need to relook at how they deal with their situation? Jerry only had a fiver on him. He was going to his local doctor, which is about five minutes outside the town centre. And Jerry making the point that he wasn't happy that this particular taxi driver refused, as Jerry puts it, a sick man to travel to his doctor for the sake of losing one euro. Your views on that are welcome as well. Was the taxi man right? He has his fees and he has his diesel and petrol and insurance to pay, and that's his fare and that's it. Or do you think, for the sake of a euro, would he be losing much to take Jerry to the hospital? or to the medical centre in Mallow let us know 1850 333 103 R&D text or WhatsApp 0862103103 other issues coming in to us as well I've a lot of emails to get through I'll get through those shortly The C103 Cork Diary With the Wellbeing Network Learn Give Be active Take notice And connect See the Wellbeing Network.ie. 
Shambhali Moro Community Bingo that's returning tonight and that's on from 8pm with an 8.30 start there at the local community centre in Shambhali Moro St Luke's Charity is holding a 7 week course to help adapt and empower those diagnosed with the early stages of dementia it starts on uh, last Monday it starts and it runs from 2 to 4 in Northridge House Education Centre in Mahan it's a free course but if you want to attend you can register and you can do that by phoning 021 435 The Irish Blood Transfusion Service they will hold a blood donor clinic in the Riverside Park Hotel in McCroom and that's going ahead this coming Wednesday from 5 to 8.30 Age Action will hold computer courses for over 55s and understanding laptops tablets or phones This is a one-to-one tuition course once a week for two hours They're taking names now from this January right through until June Tutors are also required Call Julie for further information at 021 206 7399 and a charity Zumbathon that's going ahead in Fermoy Community Centre on this coming Saturday from 2 to 5 pm and proceeds are in aid of Chronic Pain Ireland. And just yesterday towards the end of the programme we had a text in about the poor quality of public lighting in the Kentuck area and that others noticed this and then we got more texts in from other towns across Cork uh, one from Mallow saying yes the public lighting in Mallow is absolutely brutal so I'm just wondering if there is areas in your town where you feel the public lighting lighting isn't up to scratch and this probably this time of the year people are out walking in the evenings and you know trying to get fit for the new year and all of that and in some areas of some towns the old lighting may be in place still because I know in a lot of towns and villages they have started slowly to replace the lights with LED lighting and they do seem to be a bit brighter than the older lighting but then the older lighting still remains in many towns and villages so uh, have you noticed that yourself maybe you've been out and about and you have noticed that some areas maybe the main areas of a town are okay but maybe other areas are not quite okay maybe your housing estate for example the lighting there might be quite low and quite dim a lot of people noticing that of late and feel the lighting is dim or indeed of poor quality uh, two texts about that especially in the Canturk and the Mallow area so where you live are you noticing that so let us know uh, you can do that by texting 86 or calling Bernie 1850-333-103 and a lot of calls and texts to us over the last few days asking where can we recycle our Christmas cards and we get this each and every year well uh, we have made contact with those who were in contact with us last year and they have again this year if you do want to recycle your Christmas cards and maybe you have a lot of them and you want to send them somewhere for recycling well uh, one location you can send it to is Chocnalina and they're at the VEC Education Centre on College Road in Fermoy because they actually do collect Christmas cards and they use them with the children there for arts and crafts so they'll take any types of cards all year round whether they be Christmas but they'll also take anniversary cards or birthday cards or whatever and again you can post them to Chocnalina VEC Education Centre on the College Road in Fermoy and also another person who uses the Christmas cards and recycles them for various ways uh, that is Sally Daly and she's on Skibbereen so if you want to post them to Sally you can do that as well uh, if you want to recycle them post them to Sally Daly and she's on the Baltimore Road in Skibbereen two options there for you if you wish to recycle your Christmas cards uh, this particular New Year's uh, they'll be made to good use at those two locations and over Christmas and over New Year's 
Uh, you would have heard us uh, inviting you to go along to various Christmas light displays across uh, the last uh, three to four weeks. One of those was in Nockavilla near Upton and it was in aid of Marymount Hospice. So well done to the Han family there who run that each and every year to Neilis, Margaret, Mark and Eva who have come back to us and let us know that their fundraising efforts again this year did go and did increase and did and hopefully will help and aid Marymount Hospice. They also want to thank uh, their friend Michael Kennedy the musician Bernard Casey the comedian and singer-songwriter Nathan Carter who all helped out to fundraise and indeed promote uh, the particular event at Anaka Villa over the last few weeks their neighbours and friends as well for their loyalty and support with this because they have raised over 12,000 euro this year so well done guys there in Anaka Villa and especially those who contributed over the last few weeks over 12,000 euros raised uh, this year for Marymount Hospice that makes a total of over 77,000 euros donated to Marymount to date so well done uh, to the hands there in Villa in Upton the money raised this year from their Christmas lights display and just another event that is coming up it's on the 12th of January and this is the Ross O'Donovan 10 year memorial truck run it's an age of the West Cork Rapid Response and it's hard to imagine that this uh, truck run is going uh, 10 years and if you want to get involved in this particular truck run it's taking place on the 12th of January you can register from 10.30am with a run start time from 12.30pm sharp and they'll leave the Bandon GAA pitch and then they'll make their journey uh, to various areas in and outside Bandon I think they go from Bandon to Clonakilty to Manway then and then back via Inneskeen uh, to near Bandon again so if everybody wants further information you can go along first of all and just see the big range of trucks before they depart on the run if you just want to take part or want further information contact Gary and he's on 086-878-6198 that's 086-878-6198 that's the Russell Donovan 10 year memorial truck run in aid of the West Cork rapid response on the 12th of January starts there from 12.30 sharp at the Bandon GA pitch and you can register there from 10.30am I know trucks from all over the county get involved in that particular truck run and just mentioning recycling and we were on about rubbish and all of that earlier on in the show and people dumping rubbish and people dumping this, that and the other thing and how can people, how can we stop people from dumping rubbish? How can we encourage people to go off and recycle? Uh, well, I can tell you this Cork County Council have been in touch and they've given us a list of their civic amenity sites which are providing free Christmas tree drop-off services across January because I have a text in from Liz who has said, I need to recycle my Christmas tree and with all this talk of dumping I'm not too sure what to do with my Christmas tree. It's dead now. Well, all the civic community sites of Cork County Council are running drop-off centres for Christmas trees and it's free of charge up to January the 31st, okay? So if you go before the end of January, you'll be able to do so free of charge and the civic community sites taking those Christmas drop-off trees or just drop-off points even at civic community sites in Cork doing this are McCroom Civic Community Site, Raffine Civic Community Site in Monkstown, Ross Moore in Carrick Tool at the Bandon Recycling Centre at the Yall site also at Clonakilty Castletown Bear Derry Connell in Skull Canturk Mill Street and Mallow all are taking Christmas trees to recycle they're the Christmas tree drop off points for January and if you go before the end of this month you can recycle them 
for free well not recycled but I presume they're used for other uh, I think bark mulch and stuff they, they use them for but anyhow you can drop them off there before the end of the year for free 1850 oh sorry before the end of January that is for free 1850 lines open you can text or whatsapp 0862103103 I see calls coming in there but the various topics we have just discussed uh, first of all to do with the lighting issue Mary Amalo says she feels with the public lighting issue that the power has been turned down on public lighting around the Mallow area the lighting is not as bright as it used to be it is like they're using a dimmer switch to reduce uh, the level of lighting in Mallow while Don says yes I have, have to agree with those callers on public lighting I do feel the lighting isn't as strong as it used to be I wonder are they using less electricity to save costs on public lighting that that was mentioned before uh, for the wasn't it the roundabouts I think and the motorways uh, that they were actually using and, and turning off in some uh, junctions lighting to save money and that they did save I think over a million euros was it last year 2017 on public lighting anyhow uh, some of your comments on that more on other issues we've been discussing this morning if we go don't get to them before the end of the show we'll carry them over and we'll bring them to you on tomorrow's show but do keep your calls coming or indeed your comments across the afternoon you can email as well jp at c103.ie but a lot of talk of kindness and acts of kindness and gratitude and that's what some people maybe should be looking to for their New Year's resolutions and that's something that Joe Heffernan is looking at next and if we can help Rose who's on text with this one uh, just looking for information on a car uh, that was broken into yesterday evening in Mallow now the window of the car was smashed and they took a handbag now the handbag wasn't visible uh, so be careful we're always on about this in the Garda file but they still uh, took the handbag which was I think near a seat in the car but it wasn't visible but anyhow they must have been watching this particular person uh, when they were leaving the car so the car was parked on a footpath at Leaslands in Mallow between 6pm and 6.10pm yesterday evening so in the course of 10 minutes this happened the window was smashed and the bag was taken more than likely they feel like another car was involved in this so if anyone saw anything suspicious in that area they might contact Malogarda station or if anyone has a dash cam that would have been driving in the Leaslands Road area of Mallow at that time between 6 o'clock and 10 past 6 yesterday evening if you have a dash cam or in the area if you please contact Malogarda station or give us a call here uh, and we can put you in contact with the person in question as they need to get back their bag and the belonging, belongings of that they had in the bag that they wished to get back as well I'm sure uh, but what an awful thing to happen to have your window of your car smashed first and then your handbag taken in that short period of time of just 10 minutes anyway if we can help that person uh, do let us know uh, and we'll see We'll see if we can uh, get to the culprits uh, who took that particular bag and if anybody had a dash cam again because it, the actual dash cam will pick up everything uh, let us know or, or more importantly contact Mallow Garda Station who were aware of that particular incident 1850 lines are open and let's turn uh, to look ahead to the new year 2019 a lot of people are making new year's resolutions over the last week so our resident councillor Joe Heffernan joins us and the first one for 2019 and very happy new year to you Joe happy new year to you too indeed JP and to um, uh, our listeners as well you got over the Christmas New Year's period okay well as they say and I mean it's quite true very quietly mm. um, yeah we, we no um, <laughs> no halopsis anyway thank <laughs> God uh, everything went um, very low key um, except um Lots of decorations around the house, and yesterday we spent taking them down. Oh, that's the big um, job. But uh, 
there you are. That's part of it too, isn't it? It is. It's all part of it. Now everybody's yeah. looking ahead uh, to 2019. And I must say in the last few months and the last year, we have been getting people who, who feel that more so people are getting very rushed about their daily business and not as thankful as they are. And when someone does something nice or there's an act of kindness happens, we'll get a call about it and then we'll get other calls because people feel these days we're all in such a rush. We don't look around to see if somebody near us needs help and I think that's what you're aiming at this year it's let's make kindness and gratitude our main drivers for 2019 and our New Year's resolutions yeah yeah that like um, instead of you know to give up this and to take up that and to give up this I I can genuinely say that most um, well maybe not the important ones but your most resolutions for me anyway um (laughs) <laughs> let's put it this way they didn't hold for the full year some of them didn't hold for the first week but anyway um, that instead of talking about resolutions this year that we might just talk about gratitude in other words like things that we can genuinely when we think about it um, be grateful for and um, and that kindness would sort of be um, one of our main drivers for 2019. I, I was at a workshop a long time ago uh, given by a Dr. David Hamilton. Now, he's a, a neuroscientist, medical uh, person, and um, he talked a lot about this um, uh, neurotransmitter and hormone uh, uh, oxytocin. And uh, apparently, proven scientifically, is that acts of kindness can actually uh, help our minds and bodies, um, that it has a beneficial effect on heart and immune system, and it it also has a very good feel-good factor. So you can be looking up uh, oxytocin. But anyway, um, yeah, the things that we could write down um, each night, um, now, this would be a little notebook, and it could be three words, or, I mean, max, we're talking five minutes, um, of, I am thankful for. Now, we could pick one of the three, and we can talk a bit about them. Um, the 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 topics, like, that we would concentrate on then would be, <coughs> I beg your pardon, health, family, relationships, friends, community, fun and recreation, Job, way of life, house, home, food, finances, those kind of things. The things that maybe a lot of us take for granted. So that we could write down, um, you know, I am thankful that today I was able to get up. um, I was able to get the few things I had to do done. uh, I was able to do my job. um, uh, You know... uh, health uh, Well I suppose the phrase health is wealth that comes into that Joe doesn't it really that if without your health if you're not thankful for your health you can't do much without it and, no, and you indeed. do need your health and, and you know what I have found going through life is that you only really um, appreciate or it has happened to me anyway I speak for myself that I only really appreciated what health I had 
when I went through times when I didn't have it. Yeah, it's when you end up in hospital or you're sick yourself uh, or somebody that's close to you is sick, then you realise how important health is. I think you're right. I think without that, we take it for granted and we just go along every day and, and forget about our bodies and forget about our health until something goes wrong. Yeah, and we can be cribbing about the cold or cribbing about the rain or this, that or the other thing. And... um when uh, when we're doing all that, um, you know, we can forget that um, there's a lot of positives in our lives that we would... It, it does us good to just say, do you know, I am thankful for. So that um, you'd often hear, like, you know, that each night to remember three things uh, that you are grateful for. Well... I'd be saying for this year, let's write down, let's have a little notebook and just each evening um, devote three minutes, four minutes, five minutes to just saying uh, things I am grateful for from today. And, um, uh, you know, health would be top of the list. There may be a person listening who might be saying, well, my health isn't good at the moment. And... That's fair enough, but um, if there are if there is hope, to be thankful for that. Um, uh, I mean, we we have a family situation at the moment where a member is uh, uh, not well uh, with an extremely serious um, diagnosis, but we're hopeful, and um, you know we're taking each day as it comes and um, uh, looking to the future with. Um, uh, if not with actual optimism, at least with hope. And at and least with an optimistic, positive future outlook that you have, Joe, and indeed your son and, and the entire family, uh, that itself, I think if, if you are ill, and I think if you speak to anybody who's gone through various illnesses and serious illness, if they have a positive outlook, they do come out the other side because it's it's all in the head as well, even though some people will say, no, if your body's choosing to do something, it will do it. But unless you're ready to fight it yourself, it, it, it won't go away and, and you, you can fall into a trap of feeling sorry for yourself and saying, why is this happening to me? Or you can be positive and say, I'm going to beat this and get through it. I think that's what your son Ken is doing anyhow from the yeah. stories I've heard. And I think it's working Absolutely. out positively for him. And that ties in nicely then with family and relationships and friends who are very important, Joe, in that situation and, also, and as you know. go back for one second to what you were saying there. Um, that workshop with that Dr. David Hamilton, mm. the title of that workshop was How Your Mind Can Heal Your Body. Um. And uh, I know that there's a lot of, um, you know, uh, uh, dodgy science out there, but this was very proven that um, that the positive outlook actually had um, a beneficial effect on the um, on on the on on the uh, on, on the, the body of on, a on the physical um, uh, uh, illness. Yeah, relationships and friends to be thankful, so thankful for that. Um, you know, uh, uh, to have someone in your life um, who wishes you well and um, <laughs> who isn't always looking out to improve you, uh, maybe, um, is, 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 is such a wonderful thing. Um, uh, you'd hear so much about loneliness and um, we don't need a plethora of friends 
we I, I mean I, I'm not on any of the Facebook or Twitter or and I know that people in certain lines of work kind of have to be but um, I, I'm not on any of them but I mean I'm talking about real um, human friends um, who are there and uh, we, we found that recently now that I mean um, only yesterday um, a person called um, uh, an, an, an old friend of our son's um, with a couple of little presents that they brought back from uh, Euro Disney um, for the little fella, for the grandson who is now two um, and a bit. So that like, you know, out of the blue, knock on the door, person calls, you say, would you like a cup of coffee? They said they'd love a cup of coffee and uh, just call because it entered their head to do something nice that morning. And I I would imagine, I, I know that that um, while, while that was gratifying and lovely for us, it was also very good for the person who did that. So that, like, um, to remember that, um, to kind of have a think now and again whether there's a relative or a friend um, who is um, in a spot of other. And um, it doesn't have to be a big dramatic thing. It can be a phone call. It can be a text. Um, I got some very clever little texts um, uh, this Christmas. Um, you know, these kind of ones where there's a little video. And um, one was the Dalai Lama. Another was um, the train of life. And, um, you know, they were nice. And um, somebody thought to send that. And um, and was very welcome. Um, and uh, another thing, I suppose, that we can be... Um, uh, we were uh, of necessity uh, back there last year in New Jersey and uh, New York and no, we were very lucky um, there was a family from uh, Borbury who um, some of the members of that family are out there and they were very very kind to us um, we actually stayed with them for a couple of nights um, and uh, they, they were wonderful but um I kind of found New York, um, you know, the high buildings, the streets like canyons, and um, I kind of found it um, that bit impersonal. Now, we were there, and our focus was on uh, illness and hospitals. So, I mean, you know, uh, I would imagine... uh, that that coloured how we were seeing everything. Yeah. But it kind of taught me the value of even that far away that the 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 Boerbui will say community um, could still stretch a hand out um, that far away. Um, well, yeah, I mean, they will say New York is all about the bottom dollar, but in big cities, I think it is like that. You have yeah. communities in big cities, but I, I think you never get a community like you will in a, a rural town or a rural village yeah. in Ireland or the UK in Australia or wherever, because it's a smaller location and more people know each other. So when something goes wrong anyway, you would hope that they would all come together. So just looking at the, what we listed out there out of those three or four or five we've mentioned, if you look at those alone and if you were looking towards 29, they could be the areas where you could improve for your kindness or gratitude for this year ahead. 
and to and to be thankful for. I mean, um, uh, we joke a bit here. Um, um, it's a kind of a running joke. It's a running joke now for forty four years. Mm-hmm. But uh, I am a blow in. <laughs> oh, right. But um, the other side of being a blow in is that I was amazed that so many people came and knocked on the door and said, "Hi, um, look, we heard you had a bit of bad news." And, um, you know, uh, there was this and that and the other thing. Mm-hmm. But um, people t- took the trouble, uh, some to phone, some to text, and some, quite a few, to actually call. Now, uh, a lot of those callers would, would have been the first time that they ever um, uh, knocked at our door. Um, they had to go to the trouble of finding out where we were, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, you know that kind of that that was quite a lift um, to feel that people not alone cared but but reached out. So yeah, to be thankful for that, and. And also, Joe, be kind to yourself. Elizabeth here saying, while we're looking towards others as well, I think everybody needs to be kind to themselves. And Fran in Art Patrick has a lovely prayer that she says. She says, if the only prayer you ever say is thank you, it will be enough. I think that sums well, it all know, up. There's an awful lot in that. There really is. And I often say to people um, that I would be talking with in my line of work, um, they would be having themselves about some situation and I might say, now, if it was a good friend of yours um, had said or done that or was in that position or whatever, um, what would you think? And they'd say, I, I'd say, like, would you blame them? And and they, they would say, oh, gosh, no, no, no. I mean, what they'd need is a little bit of kindness um, rather than blame. And then I would say, well, could you not extend that same attitude to yourself? And we do tend to be hard on ourselves and gentle with others. And we need to give ourselves a break because, I mean, uh, the way we're geared anyway, the way we're made is we're flawed and we have our weaknesses. And, um, uh, you know, I've never met a perfect person um, uh, in my entire life. Um, as, as as far as I know, well, the one person I met who definitely wouldn't be perfect would be myself. Um, so that, like, we need to be a little bit gentle with ourselves and we need to be able to say, come here, you're okay. You're doing, provided now that you are doing your best. Um, you know, I remember um, when we were going to school in the National Alders years ago, um, we used to hear about um, the definition of a mortal sin. And the definition of a mortal sin was that it had to have three ingredients. It had to be a grave matter. You had to have full knowledge and full consent. In other words, it was something serious that would hurt someone. Um, you had to be uh, fully aware that it was going to hurt someone. And you had to make a decision that you were going to do it anyway. Yeah. Now, under that kind of a heading... That's a fairly hard old thing, like, to, to, to how to commit a mortler. Exactly. And you don't want that for this year. We want to be the opposite and showing the kindness and, indeed, the gratitude. For the moment, Joe, we could continue this on for, for another while. I have to go here to News at One, but thank you for joining us today. And again, Happy New Year to you. Uh, that's our regular counsellor on the show, Joe Heffernan, who's an accredited counsellor based in Boerbui. Contact him on 029-766-17. That's it. A lot of calls and comments we didn't get to today on various issues we discussed, particularly in the last hour. We'll 
bring them to you tomorrow morning from 10am. Thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced. I'm John Paul McNamara. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.